When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Dugout. Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. The Premier League is back this weekend. It's been chaos this international break. Matches suspended, rules being broken, players even being banned from featuring this weekend. How will that affect the likes of Manchester City against Leicester and Leeds United versus Liverpool? We'll discuss on today's show. We'll also be looking ahead to Cristiano Ronaldo's return to Manchester United. He's been gone 12 years, but he could make his second debut for the club against Newcastle on Saturday. And some people have paid more than the cost of a season ticket just to be there at Old Trafford this weekend. Plus, Tottenham and West Ham eye up winnable games to continue their excellent start to the campaign. And could we legitimately have our first six-pointer of the new Premier League season? And I'm not kidding when I say this, Arsenal are in the conversation as they take on Norwich City. I'm Niall McCorn and all of that to come on today's show. This is Football Social Daily, the only Premier League podcast with a new episode every day of the season. Welcome to The Dugout, a new show discussing all the big top flight talking points with people who know exactly what it takes to be a Premier League player. And we'll be doing it in the company of our two guests today, two men who have played in the Premier League. In The Dugout with us today, former England Wolves and West Ham man, Matt Jarvis, how's things, Matt? Very well, thank you. Yeah, looking forward to it. Good to have you with us. And alongside Matt, ex-Manchester City, Sunderland and Republic of Ireland forward Stephen Elliott. Thanks for joining us, Stephen. No problem, Niall. Looking forward to it, mate. Before we get stuck into this weekend's Premier League action, you two used to be teammates at Wolves back in the day. And Matt was telling me that your nickname back then, Stephen, was Sleeves, but Matt has no idea where that came from. So could you shed a little bit of light on that? Because I'm at a loss as well. We weren't only uh, teammates. We were actually neighbours a long time ago as well, weren't we? <laughs> we were, yeah. No, yeah, Sleeves, uh, when I was at Sunderland and uh, back back then, do you know what, no of you were um, telling a story and like, I didn't quite believe you, you'd say, are you serious? Like, like that. And obviously in Ireland at the time when I signed for Sunderland, Instead of saying, are you serious, the lads used to say, sleeves up. Because obviously when you pull your sleeves up, you're getting serious. So I used to say, if somebody was telling me something I didn't quite believe, I'd be like, sleeves up. And then obviously one thing led to another. And then at Sunderland, Mick McCarthy was obviously the manager. And he, I, used to, I said it to him a couple of times and he was like, sleeves. And then it kind of, it, it just it didn't have a clue. Like, and then obviously ever since then, all the lads kind of just jumped on it. And somehow, yeah, I became <laughs> sleeves. And, and it... I don't think anybody calls me Stephen now anymore. I was going to say, I've not, I don't, I, you know, Stephen. You also mentioned Stewie as yeah. well. So what, what are we going with, Stephen? Are we going with Stephen, Stewie, or are we going with Sleeves? <laughs> probably Sleeves is probably the, the best one to kind of go with. That's what most people kind of address me as nowadays. Like So yeah, Sleeves is good. <laughs> All right, I'll try and remember Sleeves throughout the course of the show. We're going to start at Old Trafford. Manchester United versus Newcastle United. Saturday, three o'clock kickoff. And Cristiano Ronaldo is back 
at Old Trafford. Some people have paid massive prices for a ticket to watch him play this weekend against Newcastle. I guess the big question is, do you think he'll start, Matt? Because obviously there's been all this fanfare about his return to the Premier League 12 years since he left Manchester United as a Ballon d'Or winner, probably the best player in the world, and he's remained at that level for a number of years since. But considering people have paid hundreds, some people thousands for a ticket, it would be quite funny if Solskjaer doesn't start him. Do you think he will? Yeah, to be honest, I don't know. I don't think he'll start. I, I don't know. I mean, to, to be honest, why would you not start him? If you've brought him in, he's fit, he's playing. Why would you not throw him in? You know, he knows the club inside out. Um, but I think I don't think Solskjaer's thinking of all these people that have paid all this money that he's <laughs> going to be starting him. I think he knows that if he's fit, he'll play. Um, what, what, a, what a player. To be honest, I was... I'm a United fan growing up as a kid, obviously from from the south. So it was um, it, it was when he was coming back at United. I, a part of me, a little bit, was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. But then you just get that excitement of you know he's such a you know top level player, the performances. I mm. watch him the other night, and you just for Portugal, and you see him, and you're just like. He's just a ridiculous athlete. Everything about him is unbelievable. I'm like saying to my missus, I can't believe he's older than he's older than me. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I don't really don't, I don't really don't care. <laughs> but it's just amazing that the physique, the everything about him, he's still at the highest possible level and scoring goals at every single you know game that goes by. He just seems to be breaking more and more records. Yeah, as you say, he had his shirt off for Portugal. He did look like an Adonis, didn't he? He looked like he was chiselled from stone. But quite a few people, like you say, Matt, are suggesting that Ronaldo is past it, etc. We obviously won't see the same player who left 12 years ago, Stephen, but we are going to see an exceptional performer. And being a former Republic of Ireland international yourself, I'm sure you would have seen Ronaldo's impact against the Republic in that game where he broke the goal-scoring record. Yeah, it was... (laughs) Building up to that game, I was thinking, how how fit is he going to be? Like match fit, obviously we know he's fit. Like he, he looks after himself more than probably anybody else in the, in the world of football. But watching the game there the other night, you're thinking, is he is he going to be bang out? I was thinking it might be a good time to get Portugal to play them because they you know off the back of the Euros and and we've been struggling for for results. And yeah, for the majority of the game, you're thinking, you know, what? we might just get a result here. But obviously, come at the hour, come at the man and. Yeah, he popped up in the 92nd and the 96th minute to break Irish hearts. And I think that sums him up. And I think that's probably what Man United are looking forward to seeing, Man United supporters and the players in the squad as well. Because certain games for United where they may have been drawing over the last few years, now they have this kind of winning mindset in their team and somebody that just doesn't take take defeat very well. And I just see him giving, a mass, giving, giving the United squad a massive lift. And regarding the game on the weekend, I'd, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't start the game, to be honest with you. I can imagine him saying to Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, listen, you've got to play me. I don't think he's the type... I don't, I don't think you very rarely see him on the bench ever. I don't. He always starts if he's fit. And for me, like Matt says there, I actually grew up a Liverpool fan, believe it or not. But obviously when I'm coming back to Man United and... I'm still excited to watch him play, even with my links with Man City as well and being a Liverpool fan. Man United wouldn't have been one of my favourite teams, but you have to respect him. And, and the fact that he's come back to the Premier League after all these years, it's, it's really exciting for everybody. And I, I think the whole of football, the whole of the football world over here in the UK would just would be just excited to see him play again. Yeah, I think something like a million fantasy football players have put Ronaldo in their team for this weekend. And that is not an exaggeration. I think that is the exact statistics. Over a million players have done it. I did feel sorry, though, as a Pompey fan for Gavin Bazunu after saving the penalty in that Republic of Ireland game and then two goals conceded late on. But I guess, you know, you can't stop greatness sometimes. And Ronaldo certainly is that. We spoke a couple of weeks ago on the show, Matt, about Chelsea and their addition of Lukaku and how that could sort of tilt the scales in their favour when it comes to winning the Premier League this season. Do you feel something similar could be the case with Manchester United and Ronaldo? Because everyone looks at United and says midfield is their weak point. The likes of Fred, McTominay, Matic, Donny van der Beek, Fred, etc. aren't quite as good as the rest of the team. And I think that's a fair criticism. But now they've got so much talent at the top end of the field and that includes Cristiano Ronaldo. Do you think that they then have an, an even better chance of making a tilt for the title this year? Listen, I, for me, even sort of saying this is a bit, I you know, City and Chelsea are the, are, are the top two for me this year. There's there's no getting away from that. United, are, they've got a much better squad than they did last year. And getting Ronaldo, he's got that 
instant impact for everyone. The belief, you know, Steve's was saying about, you know, anyone that goes in now training at United, the younger kids, they're going to be learning. He looks after himself more than anyone else. He's going to be fitter, stronger, going to be doing extra this, extra that. And they can just go in and learn from him. And he just, he's has got that winning mentality. He's going to pop up and score a goal in an important game. You know, he does deliver. So United are going to have that instant impact of him coming in. And it's just whether they can close the gap enough to, to have a title chance, then it, it's going to be, for me, a bit of an outside chance. But there's always a chance when you've got him in your team. So, you know, it's it's... It's still for me. It's it's Chelsea and, and City. I mean, we haven't even spoke about Liverpool, but yeah, them them two are, are for me is still going to be going head to head. Yeah, we'll come on to Liverpool later. Big game for them against Leeds this weekend. But I think you're right about how Ronaldo's arrival could impact the other players as well. You only have to look at social media this weekend, and all of the United players have like basically posted photos and videos of them in training just with Ronaldo in the background or Ronaldo in the close vicinity just to kind of prove or almost pinching themselves that he's at the club but nobody in amongst all of this sleeves is talking about Newcastle United here all the focus is on Ronaldo do you think that almost suits Steve Bruce in his side that all the focus will be on United and not them because there often is debate and criticism coming Steve Bruce's way yeah, I'm not sure. I think I think Steve Bruce, with the, with the pressure, he is kind of under with the Newcastle uh, supporters. He'd probably prefer not to be play, uh, facing Man United away and Cristiano Ronaldo, like because he he needs to pick up a win. Obviously, before the international break, it looked like he had got over the line with that victory with Callum Wilson scoring, and then obviously to concede a penalty late on, he would be very frustrated. So, yeah, maybe so, maybe so. But I still think he would probably prefer not to be be up against Ronaldo in his first game because I have a feeling Ronaldo's going to want to make a massive statement straight away. I, I don't know, you just, you can't see this game going by without Ronaldo having something to say about it. So if I'm Steve Bruce, I'm probably thinking, uh-oh. Yeah, I would be as well. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't be happy if I was a Newcastle fan. But anyway, those two fans make the trip to Old Trafford to take on Manchester United. Ronaldo returns to Old Trafford Saturday, 3pm kickoff. And we're going to fast forward now to Ellen Road and to Sunday 4.30 where Leeds United play Liverpool and both clubs here could be without their Brazilian players due to the Brazilian FA asking FIFA to ban them in response to Premier League clubs not letting them go on international duty. That excludes Richarlison, by the way, who was released by Everton to play in the Olympics. So he's been given a pass on this, but all the other Brazilian players in the Premier League might not be able to play this weekend. We don't know the ins and outs just yet, but I'm sure we'll find out in due course. Liverpool, though, Matt, could be without Alisson, Firmino, Fabinho. Also, Van Dijk has a bit of a knock, but he obviously isn't Brazilian. Leeds, they're going to miss Rafinha if this goes ahead. I mean, you've played for England before. What's your take on the situation? Because I've never seen anything like this before. Well, no, exactly that. There isn't anything that's happened like this before with such a, you know, so many players as well uh, being involved. It's it's just, it's incredible. But, you know, regardless of that, having them missing for Liverpool, is, is they're going to be a m- much more of a loss than Leeds. Leeds, you know, Rafinha is a fantastic player and he has been you know, huge for them. But they've just signed Daniel James, you know, £30 million come in. He could easily play in that position and he'll be wanting to impress on his debut. I think I think last season there was nine goals between the two teams in the two fixtures, so you're expecting a massive amount of attacking play. Um, and with Van Dijk as well, that'll be a huge loss for, for Liverpool. You know, he, he having that injury and coming back, all you want to do is just continue to play games and play and try not to pick up, because you're always going to get little aches and pains and bits and pieces, but if you can continue to play it makes a huge difference in your body just to getting used to getting back to playing games and, and staying fit. So I think with the Brazilian players, I think Liverpool are going to be hit harder than, than Leeds for sure. Um, but it will still be one hell of an attacking game. Yeah, and just on that, oh, by the way, mate, you do know that now you've predicted goals, it's going to finish nil-nil. That's the way how oh, things, that's how things yeah, work on, on this podcast, you know that. Um, I mean, talking to Liverpool, and you touched upon it earlier as well, Matt, about how possibly out of the four potential title contenders, you know, they're the ones that are almost going under the radar the most. But in terms of squad depth, they're probably most at risk as well, Sleeves, to be fair, because without the likes of Alisson, Firmino and Fabinho, they're three key crucial performers who will get in the starting eleven for Jurgen Klopp most weeks. So if they don't play, that will be a blow. But do you think that Klopp, you know, 
on the other side of things would be quite happy that the focus is on Chelsea, United, Manchester City because they're still good enough to go on and win the league. I think so. I think Liverpool's a strange one. Obviously, last season was a little bit of it. They're kind of trying to defend the title and it was it was a little bit they lose Van Dijk and everybody knows how much of a, an important player he was and they lost Allison as well for a big chunk of last season too. So I just think it'd be looking at looking at being a, as an outsider probably a good thing. I think they they still have that attacking threat Liverpool like they're always going to be they're always going to be very very dangerous and attack the likes of Mane, Salah, Jota now for me now if he if he is able to play so. Yeah, maybe Klopp would be a little bit, a little bit happier. Kind of that that pressure, kind of of trying to retain the title again. He might be a little bit at ease with his squad, but yeah, no, I, I still think Liverpool should have enough to go. Go, they need to go to places like Ellen Road and win games if they are to be challenging. Listen, Leeds, they had a great season last year, fourth league back in the Premier League, but I still think they're very open at the back. They're very loose and. I think the top teams can hurt them, and I like Matt says I'd be very surprised if there isn't a lot of goals in that game. I just think the way Liverpool attack and obviously Leeds lead themselves down the sides, the pace down the sides. I'd be you're probably looking at a three-two, four-three game. That's that's. I'd be very confident to be goals, and like you say, I know we said there probably won't be, but now I just can't see anything but goals in that game. Yeah, I think there's clear evidence from the first game of the season as well, Sleeves, that you know United beat them five-one. Manchester United, that is, and you know that is I think evidence that. The better teams can open up leads and, and exploit those weaknesses at the back. But they take on Liverpool at Ellen Road, Sunday 4.30. Now we're going to switch our attentions to Leicester City versus Manchester City, Saturday 3 o'clock start. It always tends to be a good game between these two sides. I remember a couple of real crackers uh, in seasons gone by. Leicester will be below strength, though, with injuries, and they've had a bit of a poor start by their high standards now. But Manchester City, too, will be missing their Brazilians potentially as well. That includes Edison, so we could, Matt, see Scott Carson being given a run out in goal. He hasn't played a Premier League game for 10 years. Do you think that will make much of a difference if it does come to that? Oh, the thing is, like, Edison's a fantastic goal. He'll be a huge miss for, for any team. But the, the thing that they've got is City. They've got such a good squad. Yes, Scott Carson hasn't played for in the Premier League. You're saying for 10 years. That's an incredible stat. Um, but <laughs> you know, he's, he's still been training every single day. You know, yes, there's match fitness, especially for goalkeepers. But you know, you, you're looking that he's not going to be potentially used as much as as um, as other goalkeepers. And and the thing is that their squad is fantastic. They've got so many good players. Um, so with regards to Leicester, though, they they you know Vardy's on. He's always on top form against City. So that's the only thing that Carson will be worried about is Vardy. He's going to be the one that's going to be scoring the goals for Leicester, but. I, again, I really struggle with with you know thinking that anyone's going to beat City at this moment. Even with you know Torres, he's been on fire. What a great signing he you know he's turning into be exciting young player. Um, and everyone says they don't have a striker. You know he seems to be a, a fantastic you know I don't know what is he a backup striker that's it's absolutely incredible. So, but. You know, it, the City have already lost to them in the Community Shield. They they lost five two at the Etihad last season, right at the beginning of the season. So it's um it's somewhere that Leicester feel like they've got some sort of a, a hold over City at the moment. So it will be a, a really um, tactical game, I think. That uh, Rogers is very good at that though. Yeah, I think Rogers is underrated actually as a tactician. I, I think he's a very good manager that sometimes doesn't get the respect or the credit he deserves. And he will have Jamie Vardy at his disposal. And he, you're right to point him out, Matt, because he scored more goals past Pep Guardiola's Manchester City than any other Premier League player in the time that Pep's been in England. But also Ferran Torres, you mentioned him as well. And that's something I want to ask you about, Sleeves, because City didn't get the striker they wanted or any striker. They were after Harry Kane in the summer. They didn't get him. But Ferran Torres seems to be doing all right in that role through the middle. I mean, you're someone who's played up front as well as out on the wing at times as well. So do you think he's got what it takes from what you've seen to sort of make that centre forward role his own? Because he seems to be doing a good job of it so far. Yeah, like Matt mentioned there, he's he's really embraced this season. And I think sometimes when, you, when you're in a squad, like, like for example, if you're in that Man City squad and you hear all the publicity about Harry Kane potentially coming to the club and how desperate they are for that striker and that's what they're missing. If they get Harry Kane, they're going to win the title. I would like to think that if you're in that squad already, you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I'm going to prove that I'm the man to kind of fill that fill that role. And maybe maybe it's had a, a good effect on Torres to think, you know what, we didn't get Kane, but I'm going to show the manager and, and the watching public that 
maybe Kane isn't the answer and I can be that answer and yeah he started the season really well and listen I'm sure City will still try again with Kane maybe in, in the January window or, or somebody else but if you're in that City squad you want to you want to take take control of the situation yourself and try and and try and prove to the manager that maybe it's not it's not as we're not as desperate as what you think is to get somebody through that middle and even Jesus has done well this year starting a little bit wider I think like I said City's the quality in City's team is just like they're just just rich the, the riches they have is unbelievable you're thinking about how you're going to get them all in Sterling as well watching him the other night for England like some of his dribbling is just like I don't know. I don't even know if he gets enough credit at times for the ability he has. So I, I don't think City will be overly worried. But again, like you say, Leicester City got a good record against uh, Manchester City, so it'll be an interesting watch. And if Scott Carson does play, uh, the way City play, you, you won't you won't think he'd have loads to do. But you'll need to be alert because he will have something at some stage in the game. Because City, Man City, there is I think will have majority of the possession, but he's gonna have to be on his toes because Vardy only needs a couple of a couple of sniffs at goal and he usually puts one or two away especially against Manchester City. You talk about Sterling one stat that took me by surprise this week is I think he's on 98 or 97 Premier League goals you know he's still only in his mid-20s he could be part of the 100 club soon I That's mean incredible. and especially for someone who apparently can't finish imagine how many goals he could have if he, if he could actually finish <laughs> one of your former clubs Man City Stephen do you fancy them for the title this year or, or do you think it'll be a real close run thing with them and Chelsea? I don't know. I think I look at the look at the title this year, and it's it's a very hard one to predict. I think it's going to be a lot more tighter than in previous seasons. I think there's a lot of teams there in the league that will be looking. I think you know we've got a good chance, but for me, I I still think if you finish above Chelsea this year after getting Lukaku in and how how strong they finished last season under Tuchel, I think they're the team to finish above. And I think if you finish above Chelsea, I think you'll be winning the Premier League this year. I still think Chelsea are the team that for me. They'd be my favourites, but you can discount Man, Man United now, Ronaldo, like we spoke about, City, obviously, with the quality they have, and Liverpool, again, you can't rule them out. Leicester versus Manchester City, Saturday, 3 o'clock kickoff. We will be talking about Chelsea next on Football Social Daily. We'll also be talking about the team that's top of the league, Tottenham Hotspur. We'll do it after this here on Football Social Daily. The Dugout, Premier League preview, Football Social Daily. The Dugout, Premier League Preview, Football Social Daily. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily, the dugout from Sports Social. In the hot seat with me, Matt Jarvis, Stephen Elliott, two players who have played in the English top flight and the team who is currently top of that league is Tottenham Hotspur. They take on Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park. That's the early kickoff on Saturday, half 12 start. Spurs, as I say, top the table after three games. Not many people, Matt, would have predicted that. Do you reckon they can stay there because they'll be needing to beat teams like Crystal Palace if they want to return to the Champions League next season? Yeah, I think um, you know. I think with the, the whole publicity and everything that's been going on with Harry Kane has has sort of just let them sort of get on with what they needed to do. And Nuno uh, obviously done a, a fantastic job at Wolves, and he knows what he you know, the way he's setting up his team, the squad, everything sort of looking how he wants it, and he's just been able to get on with with the playing side of things and they've started really well. Um, they've got a couple of injuries that uh, that could be, or oh, Son could be a worry for them. Um, obviously Kane playing the full 90 the other night and they've got a few other players that potentially might not be involved as well. So it's going to be a struggle, but, but, for, for, but for them playing a, you know, uh, a Palace. If they, you know, if they don't, if they don't pick up points at Palace, then you know, they they, they really are going to have to try and not they're not going to be getting back in the Champions League spots if they're if they're not picking up points there. Yeah, certainly. I think Nuno Espirito Santo deserves huge credit for the way he's come into Tottenham and dealt with the Harry Kane situation because that was the saga of the summer, at least until you know the Ronaldo thing started to kick off. But yeah, I think he deserves immense credit. And actually, he's quite a—he seems like quite a tough-nosed sort of guy, which might have been exactly what Tottenham needed because there were always questions about them having a soft underbelly and being a bit flaky. I think. Gary Neville famously called them flaky, didn't he? So maybe Nuno is the right man to go in there and try and sort that out. As for Crystal Palace, Patrick Vieira, a new manager there at Selhurst Park as well, sleeves. They're yet to pick up their first win. He's yet to pick up his first win as coach in the Premier League. First goals of the season came last time out as well from an on-loan midfield player, Conor Gallagher, who's obviously there from Chelsea. How do you assess Patrick Vieira's 
star at Selhurst Park so far because obviously he was a class player in the Premier League. It's sometimes difficult to translate that into management though, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. It, it, it's, when when somebody like Patrick Vieira takes takes over a team, a little bit like Ray Keane when he became a manager, there's a lot of eyes on them to see how his team plays and, and what his body language is on the side as well. But yeah, he'd be desperate for a win. I think he's got, a, got off to a bit of an iffy start, but I think he would have took pleasure last week at seeing Conor Gallagher. He, he got two really good goals against a team that were, are doing really well. So he, he'll take a lot of confidence into, into the game. And yeah, I, I'm sure he, he looks like the type of man who wants to get the ball down and play. He'd had a couple of kind of Derby games as well, so it's a, it's it's an interesting watch. And going back to the Spurs, like I think a long time ago, we used to be kind of one 0 to the Arsenal, and, and maybe Nuno has gone in and recognised that they need to be a little bit more solid. Like and and I don't know. Yeah, I think Spurs. I still I don't think they're going to challenge for the title. I think eventually that the the bigger teams will kind of rise above them. But it's an interesting watch. I'd be very surprised if there's a lot of goals in that game, given the start of the two teams. I think it'll be a, be a tight contest. And a bit like the England game, maybe you might see Harry Kane pop up with kind of the odd goal to, to win that one. But no, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it's it's a different styles as well going head to head. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how that pans out. You're right as well with them facing another side from London, Crystal Palace. They become the first Premier League team to kick off their season with four London derbies. I don't know how that works as a player, Matt. I mean, are you quite happy if that's the start to the Premier League season as a former pro? You don't have to go too far, I guess. No, travelling, yeah. Travelling's great. Um, you're always happy playing derbies. It's just obviously depending on the result. That's the thing. You, you, need, you know, He's not started well, but you've got to bear in mind that that's a massive overhaul that he's had at Crystal Palace. You look at all of the, the older players that have been there a long time, that you know they've had they've been been the spine of the club really and they've all gone and so you've got to replace them they've gone they've they've brought in a lot of players a lot of younger players so you know it takes time to bed everyone down you know he's going to as you've mentioned he's a fantastic player fantastic player so he's got to put all of his thoughts and everything across and it takes time um so having four London derbies is probably a good way to go about it. You know, you've got to go in. It's all about heart. You know, it doesn't always necessarily have to be have to be about tactics. You've got to go out and just give everything because these are the, you know, massive London derbies for your fans, and and that that just shows a bit more passion, I suppose. That that you can just try and get get everything across in your training sessions, but you've got four cup finals to go ahead and kick off your season. Yeah, I mean, he was a bit of a monster in London derbies himself, Patrick Vieira. I remember some of those performances with the old uh, Vicks Vapor uh, on the chest. You didn't fancy a bit of that back in the day, sleeves, a bit of old Vicks on the chest? No, I never, I never actually, I don't, I don't know whether that was just to make people look a little bit more aggressive. I never used that <laughs> myself. I don't know if Matt used that, did you? It wasn't really me, no. But no yeah, you do kind of, when you tend to think of a year, you do tend to think of him obviously in the tunnel and being aggressive on the pitch and... So you're looking at the, the Crystal Palace team and you're thinking, are they going to be a little bit more kind of on the front foot flying into tackles? But you're watching, they do, they do try and get it down and play. And he's obviously got his philosophy on how he wants the team to play. And like Matt says, there's been a lot of change there at that club. But they still have attacking talent like Saha still there. They've got players that can kind of open up any defence on the day. But yeah, I think he would have been looking at the, the opening fixtures and thinking... You'd be a little bit, obviously with Brentford, you never know what you're going to get with the promoted teams. But I think you'd be looking and you would have been hoping he had a few more points on board because, again, the sooner, the sooner, like, I don't think, the sooner you get the points on board, like, as a, a team that isn't fancy, the better. It gives you, it breeds confidence into the squad. Now, I do think a lot of people will be looking at Palace this year and maybe think they could be kind of sucked into that kind of relegation battle come the end of the season. Yeah, I've definitely heard that a few times. And I think a few lads on the podcast as well have suggested in the past that Crystal Palace could be relegation candidates this season. Not quite the case for them so far, but a tough test for them at home against Tottenham. Half 12 kickoff Saturday. Now for the evening kickoff on Saturday afternoon. Chelsea against Aston Villa at Stamford Bridge. Romelu Lukaku on his 11th time of asking, looking for his first Chelsea goal at the bridge. Obviously in his second stint after his £97.5 million move from Inter Milan this summer. Chelsea last time out, though, were held against Liverpool, but they were down to 10 men for the whole second half of that game, to be fair, Stephen. So are you expecting them to see off Villa quite comfortably? We've bigged them up a few times. Lots of people are fancying them for the title. And like we said before, they should be seeing off teams like Villa, as good as Villa can be, if they are really going to lift that silverware at the end of the season. Yeah, I think, like you say, especially home games as a, as a title contender, you've got to win your home games. So Villa have a decent record at Stamford Bridge over the years, so it's not going to be easy. But 
I think Lukaku, he'll, he'll be desperate to get off the mark at Stamford Bridge. He's obviously back at a club that he has a lot of a lot of passion for, and that I know he done well against Arsenal Force game and that. But I think um, this could be this could be a statement time for Chelsea to kind of put in a big performance and. And like I, t- I can see them winning, winning the game convincingly, and kind of sending out a message to the to the rest of the Premier League that that Tuchel definitely knows what he's doing and knows how to win these home games and comfortably as well. Yeah, I think it's testament to them defensively and how they've improved under Tuchel compared to Lampard. The fact that against a team like Liverpool with the attacking quality that they've got, to be able to see out a one-one draw with 10 men for the whole second half. That takes some doing, and we've seen them defensively putting some really good displays, particularly in the Champions League. I seem to remember against Atletico Madrid, Chelsea have really shown what they're all about. As for Aston Villa, a win, draw and a loss so far for them this season, Matt. What do you think their realistic ambitions should be with the squad they have? Because obviously they've lost someone crucial in Jack Grealish to City for 100 million quid, but they've also brought in some good players, the likes of Ings, Buendia, Leon Bailey... Uh, is it just a case of seeing how far they can go this season rather than setting any expectations? Or do you think they should be aiming for, uh, you know, a top 10 finish or something like that? Yeah, I think obviously, you know, at the start of the season, you always want to have your aims, you want to have goals that you want to get to. And and for me, you know, 10th would be a, a very good um, place that you want to be looking at. I think they, obviously, huge disappointment for them to, to lose Grealish, but they have signed some very, very good players. Now, I played at Norwich with uh, Emi Bundia and he's a fantastic player. He'll be fans will love him. He he's one of them that he likes to get stuck in. He's got that side of things that you know you want to see as a fan. But he's got fantastic ability. Can score a goal. His assists are you know his numbers are ridiculous for Norwich. So they've brought some class players in, and and they just seem to they just just need to get bedded bedded in as a team. Danny Ings, what what a signing for me that went under the radar. Guaranteed goals. He's keeping fit. Guaranteed goals. So they they've they've got a very good squad that can, you know hopefully for them they can they can finish in around tenth and that'll be a success for me. Um, great great season. Um, that that's that's ultimately where I think they will be finishing. Yeah, I definitely think there's significant improvement when you think two seasons ago they came within a goal line technology not being switched on error of relegation back to the championship. So certainly improvement there from Villa. I was just wondering whether either of you two lads have ever been in a situation like some of the Villa players will have found themselves in this summer where a key player has left a club that either of you have been at that was not the talisman, but certainly a real fan's favourite and someone who you knew would help win you a game. I just wonder if there's any experiences that either of you two can remember of similar ilk. Yeah, I, I remember when I was at Sunderland, we uh, we had a left-sided player, top quality player, Julio Arca. Unbelievable footballer. Like He just, he kind of, he had that little bit more quality than the rest of us on the ball. Like And you knew when you gave him the ball that something was going to happen. I remember that we got relegated from the Premier League, and he he had quite a good season, and we were looking to kind of bounce back from the from the Championship straight back to the Premier League. But he actually left us just before the start of the season, and it was one of them where you're thinking, "Oh, we've lost our best player." But yeah, it does it does take a little it's a little bit of a shock to the system. But as you know, we're all professional players, and I'm sure the Villa lads were the same. They know that they have to kind of carry on wherever. And and I do think, like you mentioned there, I think Villa have signed signed well this year. Especially Danny Ings as well. He's another player. I know Matt mentioned him already. I think he's a great addition to the squad, and I think they'll be all right, Phil. I think they'll they'll find their feet, and they, 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 I think they'll be a mid-table team. But yeah, it does it does take a little bit to get used to when you when you lose a talisman. I know we we struggled when we lost Julio. We lost the first four or five games before Roy Keane came in as manager, and then we ended up winning the league again. But it does take a little bit of time to get used to not having that bit of quality in the team that you were so used to playing with. Am I right in thinking, Sleeves, that Julio Arca ended up playing non-league for a little bit up in the northeast as well? Yeah, he played for South Shields. He, he retired because he, he retired through injury. I think he, he'd done something really bad to his toe and he couldn't play on. But he managed to kind of get a right and he ended up playing. Kind of, he played. I think he played for a pub team first, and then he went back and, and played for South Shields. And I think he ended up playing at Wembley with them, won the FA Vars with them as well. So yeah, he's he's, he's an unbelievable footballer. He could probably still play now. He was that good in the ball, like so. No, yeah, he was a he was a big miss for it, but a, a great a great great for me to have a few years playing with him because he I wouldn't say he's as good as Messi, obviously, but he was on that kind of ilk where you you give him the ball and you knew something something was something good was going to happen. That's class. I love those sort of stories with player just 
kind of get stuck in down at non-league as well after their careers kind of tailed off. I really do enjoy listening to those sorts of stories. Chelsea against Aston Villa shaping up to be an interesting game. That's the 5.30pm kickoff on Saturday. Now time to talk Watford against Wolves. Three o'clock kickoff at Vicarage Road on Saturday. Wolves without a win and in the relegation zone but I personally don't think that tells the whole story. I think the three games that they've had this season in the Premier League so far they've actually played quite well. I thought they acquitted themselves very well against Manchester United and unfortunately for them ended up losing the game 1-0. Is it just unlucky for Bruno Lage, the new gaffer, that you know they haven't played badly in those three games and they've got nothing to show for it? Yeah, I mean, if you'd asked me in the summer, I, I, I fully expected it to not go as well as, as it did the, the previous years. I think you know they, they, were, they were flying there in the Europa League. They'd done really well. Uh, to lose Nuno in the way that it, it sort of happened and then... You're just thinking, is that sort of where it's going to be? Is that going to be the top? But I have to say, I've been really impressed with the the way that they've played. I think the style of play is a huge thing that all the fans wanted. They wanted that attacking. I think they put the most shots on goal in the first two or three games in the Premier League, which is, it, it tells you that they're trying, at least. You know, maybe it's not quite hitting the back of the net, but it's... It's the it's the style of play that all of the fans want to see, and you know they will get it right. Um, they're only going to get better with each training session that goes past each game. Everyone's going to be working out exactly how the manager wants everyone to, to play, and it, it's going to get there. They're not they're not going to finish as high as they have done in the past, but I can see them you know just starting to pick up results, and then it will just go from strength to strength. What's your take then, Sleeves? Because obviously you two were teammates at Wolves back in the day. How do you think he's got on? How do you think his start has been, despite the fact no wins on the board and unfortunately in the bottom three? Yeah, I think I, I don't think the the position in the table kind of is, is is a good reputa- uh, representation of how they've been doing this year on the pitch. I think watching the Man United game even there a couple of weeks ago, they count themselves very unlucky to lose that game. They looked a real threat going forward. Adama Traore especially, he looks like a man mountain this year. He looks really unstoppable. If he can start adding goals to his game, he could be like he could be one of the, the better players in the Premier League this year. But you just listen, I think Wolves have got good quality all through the squad. Like Matt says, I think once it clicks for them, I think they'll be okay. Obviously you got Neves there as well. Like he, he he'll get you a lot of goals this year. And when I don't know. I just think I think it's one of them. When a new manager comes in, it's a different. It's a little bit of a transition, obviously after um, Nunes being there. I think it's just getting used to the new manager and his style. But he doesn't look like he gets flustered too much on the on the side. I think he has a, pl- a plan in place, and I think the players are backing him. And I think it's it's only a matter of time before things click for them. And listen, Wolves are a good team to watch at the minute, and they play some really good football and they play football the right way. And now I, I think they'll be fine this year. Like Matt says, I don't think they'll be as high up the table as previous seasons, but I don't think we they'll be in any trouble. Yeah, I agree. And I think good leadership as well. Really like Connor Cody and the way he just kind of speaks and leads the team. I, I think that that can be invaluable. Even if things are tough, you've got someone like Cody who can keep people's chins up in the dressing room and, and keep the team ploughing on. Um, what about from a Watford point of view then, Sleeves? Because obviously they'll be kind of eyeing up this game against Wolves thinking, right, we're playing a team in the relegation zone who haven't won yet. And they got off to a decent start to their Premier League campaign as well. Their first season uh, back in the top flight, they got off to a win against Aston Villa. A good chance they'll be thinking for another three points to them to kind of really get themselves going. Yeah, I think so. I think everybody was was probably a little bit surprised at the start we had when they went three goals up against Villa. You're thinking, well, Watford are making a statement here. And obviously, they nearly let us slip towards the end of that game. But no, yeah, I think I think both teams will be looking at this fixture. I think Watford as well, as well as Wolves will be thinking, right, this is where our kind of season really starts. We can kind of, it's a game where you're kind of looking, when you're in the Premier League or a team like, say, Watford or Wolves, you kind of look at, at your fixtures and you, you kind of, if you get anything against the big boys, it's kind of a bonus. But you look at certain teams around you where you think, you know what, these are games where we really need to pick up points if we want to have any aspirations about not being in and around them relegation places. And I do think Watford will look at this, look at the start Wolves, has, Wolves have had and think, you know what, they're low on confidence, haven't scored any goals. Maybe it's a chance to go and kind of put them to the sword. But no, I have a sneaky feeling this could be the start of Wolves' season. And I think Watford could be another team that over the course of the season, we might see them in and around the kind of relegation area and battling for survival. Well, Watford manager Cisco Mignot has said that this is a new era for his team after Troy Deeney left the club in the summer to join boyhood side Birmingham City. How will they get on against Wolves Saturday, three o'clock start? Still three more top flight games to get through. We'll do it next on Football Social Daily. 
The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily. Welcome back to the dugout from Football Social Daily. My name's Niall. I've got Matt Jarvis and Stephen Elliott alongside me. And we're going to be talking about the three remaining Premier League fixtures that we haven't yet discussed. And we'll start now at St. Mary's, where Southampton welcome high-flying West Ham. Three o'clock start Saturday. West Ham, your former team, Matt, and Mikhail Antonio in particular, have been excellent this season so far. Hammers are second currently. Do you think they're in a position now where they should be expecting to beat sides like Southampton quite routinely? Whereas 18 months to two years ago, it might have been the other way around. I suppose it just shows how quickly things can change in the Premier League. I think you've got to give Moyes so much respect and praise for what he's done since he's come back. The way that he's 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 not only steadied the ship, he's really, every single player has nailed down the system, the, the philosophy that Moyes wants. They've they've turned into sort of just sort of trying to score the odd goal, but being defensively to being this creative attacking threat. Jesse Lingard was a huge plus for them last season. They've got they've made really good signings, and the team's just full of confidence. And you can see that by you know everyone just whenever you say about Mikel Antonio, everyone's just got a smile on his face. You know it's just. He's he's got everything. He scored four goals and three assists in his first three games. I mean, it's just incredible. Mm. And I mean, because you must have been there, Matt, when he came in. So did he did he come in as a as like a, a fullback? And did you ever expect him to transform into what he's kind of transformed himself into? I think he's he's played everywhere though, hasn't he? He's played everywhere. Yeah, and true. He, he's one of them players <laughs> that he, he he just he just enjoys playing football. You can see that he just wants to be out there. If he's playing left back, right back, centre half, he can go in goal if you asked him to. He wants to be out there on the pitch and he gives his all. And he's turned himself from being whatever other position you want to a centre forward where he he's strong, he holds the ball up. He he runs the channels and he's got he you know, he obviously been playing on the wing before so he's he's got that like, he gets wide he gets turned and he puts crosses in he he can do everything and defenders are scared of him because he's got he's got a bit of everything and they don't quite know always what he's going to do and he's now just got lethal in front of goal and and that's huge for them but they've as I mentioned they their squad's got better their signings have been fantastic that they've brought in everything's just working. Um, and it's and it's a real massive positive for the West Ham fans. You know, you're thinking last season about um, them getting into Europe, and everyone was saying it's because they didn't have any fans. You know, they're taking the pressure off. This season, they've started. Everyone's like, "Oh, let's see how they get on." They've been outstanding, and it's it's a real um, you know positive start for them to then get back into Europa League. And and for them, you know, you're just thinking, like you said, they're going to go to you're going to have Southampton and thinking. We're going to get three points here. And you can just have that belief now that they, they're doing it consistently. What do you make of the celebrations then, lads? What, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> See, I'm a massive... I think they're brilliant. I, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily do them all, but I think he's... You, you've got to. I think when you're on this ride in this wave, you've got to do everything you possibly he's can. Yeah, he's celebrations. He's yeah. Like you, you watch him and you, you kind of... You look at West Ham at the moment and... Like they're a team that, like especially David Moyes, he's all, he's never been known as this kind of happy character. Kind of in general, it's, he always comes across as a little bit dreary and kind of old fashioned. But all of a sudden, like West Ham, they scored ten goals this year. Everybody's playing with a smile on their face. Declan Rice is playing out of his skin. It's just like this it seems to be a real good factor around the club. Like even looking from the outside in, the 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 ground is buzzing. Like it just it just feels like kind of. I don't know, this, it seems like there's something special happening at the club and I think Antonio kind of just represents everything that's kind of happening at the club. He plays with a smile on his face, his celebrations like you mentioned and they're an interesting watch now. You kind of look forward to watching West Ham like whereas you didn't always kind of have that feeling that like you watch them play and you're thinking you know there's going to be goals and funny, funny celebrations if Antonio scores. But no, yeah, I think they've been a breath of fresh air this year and I'm sure like they don't look like slowing down either. Yeah, he's loving it as well, isn't he, Mikhail Antonio? And I think that's part of it. He's just, you know, he's kind of living out everyone's fun, so to speak. 
Um, you said that you're quite a fan of it, Matt. Does that mean that there would have been possibility of having a Matt Jarvis Carvel cutout at some point? <laughs> if you, yeah, if there was a Matt Jarvis Carvel cutout, I would have, uh, I would have definitely run to get that. But uh, wasn't wasn't thinking enough before that. Yeah, maybe I didn't score enough. <laughs> Any Hammers fans listening that can provide us with a Matt Jarvis Carvel cutout, get in touch on social media because uh, that would be that would be funny to see that. Uh, West Ham United travel to Southampton. They'll be looking to keep up their great start to the Premier League season but it's not been a great start for Arsenal bottom of the Premier League table to make matters worse Spurs are top 20 places difference between them Arsenal at one stage last season were 20 to 1 to be relegated they could even be shorter than that this time around they take on Norwich three o'clock kickoff on Saturday they're in disarray sleeves over at the Emirates three games three losses nine goals conceded bottom of the Premier League However, they have lost just two of their last 18 games against Norwich City. Do you think Norwich provide ideal opposition? They're a newly promoted team. And if Mikel Arteta is going to stop the rot, it kind of has to be now against Norwich, doesn't it? Because if, if they don't win, the knives are going to be out even more so, aren't they? Yeah, I think I think we spoke earlier on in the show about Spurs having that kind of flaky side. And I think you look at Arsenal now and they just they look soft right through the middle. There's no kind of urgency in the way they play. And I'm going back to the fourth game of the season against Brentford. Brentford just bullied them all over the park. He couldn't he couldn't deal with them. They were in their face. Obviously, it was an evening game as well. Brentford fourth game back in the, in the Premier League. But still, I expected a little bit more from, from Arsenal. And obviously, the two fixtures following that haven't been exactly easy ones, to be fair to them. But they haven't showed me anything yet that makes you think they're going to turn it around. And I know you're saying Norwich is, is a good team to play. But if anything, like Norwich will be looking at Arsenal thinking, you know what, we, we can go and beat them. Like, it's... I don't know. I worry for Arsenal. I listened to a technical director, a do speak as well on 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 uh, the television doing his interview in the week, and he didn't fill me with confidence. I know he's saying there's a plan in place, but no, I think it's 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 really worrying time for Arsenal, and it won't help like you mentioned that their their arch rivals are sitting on the top of the table after winning every game and not not conceding a goal. It's like the, the tables have been torn there, and yeah, it's really worrying. And I think Norwich they're, they're a little bit more equipped this year as well for the Premier League than when they were last up. I think they've got that experience behind them a little bit like Burnley a few seasons back when they kind of got relegated and then kind of got promoted. They, they were more prepared for it. So no, yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be looking forward to this game as an Arsenal fan. More kind of watching it through kind of gritted teeth and and, and hoping for a win rather than expecting one. To be fair, Sleeves, you say that Edu doesn't fill you with confidence. I don't think he fills many Arsenal fans with confidence as well with some of the signings he's made since he's been sporting director of the club. I mean, like I say, what goes on around Mikel Arteta if they lose to Norwich? How much more will the fans take? You know, you just wonder just how much of a situation Arsenal could get themselves into with the way things have started. But let's talk about a club you know well, Matt, in Norwich City. Um... Stephen pointed it out there and I tend to agree with him do you think they're a better place this season to stay up than they were two campaigns ago when they went down definitely definitely you you look at it they've last time that they they didn't really I say give it a go in the transfer market I suppose their their budget was you know was tiny um uh, so it was you know not left but it gave massive experience to the younger players that were, were playing week in week out in the championship that got promoted their first time playing in the Premier League and it's been vital for them and I think they've they got relegated they equipped themselves as they always do and they've been the best team in that league every single week and that's only benefited them to then get them promoted but they've recruited really well this year that's that's the big thing for them they've done they've got the recruitment right Stuart Webber is he's done a fantastic job there he was he's one of them people that he's very honest you know even when I was there and I was having a bit of a difficult time like he would just be very honest with me saying right you know uh, you're not number 11 this year I've given it to someone else but I'm telling you to me to your face and you're like Oh, okay, but you know he—he's he, honest and he's a businessman and he's done absolutely incredible work there. And they, their experience from last time in the Premier League is only going to benefit them. And I, I do think that they're going to surprise a few people this year. Are they going to stay up? It's—it's it's difficult to say very early on, but they've got some really good players that are are, are going to benefit from playing more and more games in the Premier League and they'll be looking at this game and thinking, yes, we can really go and put ourselves against these boys and, and get three points. 100% they'll be looking at it that way. 
Yeah, I certainly agree with that. And just interesting what you said about Stuart Webber there. Does that lead you to respect him more because of the way he treated you and the way he said to your face what was going to go down? Yeah, definitely. I, I've got nothing but respect for for Stuart Webber. I think, um, you know, we didn't always, obviously, it wasn't always eye to eye. But at the same time, he, he's a bit like how I'd say talk about Mick McCarthy. He's just honest. Everything about him, that's all you want as players, is you want the manager or you want the, you know, the technical director to, to be honest with you. So if you're, if you're not playing, you want the manager to tell you why and tell you you're not playing rather than just finding out on the day or, or whatever. But you know, Stuart Webber's been, he's honest with everyone. You know, he goes about telling every, all of the players when they're signing, when they're leaving, doing everything about it. He's honest, and and as I said, he's a businessman at the same time. But he's he's very good at his job, and I, I I do respect him for for being that type of person. I'll be honest with you now, Matt. I reckon Norwich are going down. Sorry, mate, but that's how I've seen it. <laughs> I've, 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 I've said all of that, and at the end of it, you just said, "Yeah, they're getting relegated." <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it could be a six-pointer relegation, six-pointer tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> Arsenal against Norwich Saturday, three o'clock start, which brings us on to our final game, which is also the traditional three o'clock kickoff time on Saturday afternoon. It takes place at Brentford Community Stadium as the Bees host the Seagulls. Brighton make the trip to West London. Two sides sleeves who have started. Started well. Both are in the top 10 after three games. Maybe not one on paper that the neutral will look at and think, oh, that looks like an appealing game. I'll make sure I tune into that one. But with these two sides, Brentford and Brighton, you should expect entertaining football because they both play decent styles. Yeah, I think it's a game that, like you mentioned, it's not going to jump up at you and think, yeah, I need to watch that one. But it, I'm sure there'll be both, the, both managers will be looking at the fixture. Again, when you're these type of teams, you look at these teams around you at kind of games that you, you want to win and you have to win. It's like, the top teams, anything's a bonus, but against these teams, you gotta win them games, and it makes it makes your kind of progression in the league a little bit easier. But I like Bright, I like what they're trying to do there. I think they've got a they've got a good blend and how they play. They've got a strong strong defence. I think Shane Duffy, from an Irish point of view, has come back into the mix there, and I think he started off the season really well after kind of falling out of favour and obviously moving up to uh, Scotland and not going so well there. But I think they've got a they've got a good balance there. And they've, they've had a good start and a couple of wins on board already. He'll be, he'll be happy with the way things are going there. And they, again, they'll be looking at this fixture ticket. You know what, it's another, if he could have nine points by the end of the weekend. I know I'm discounting Brentford, who have also kind of started well. But no, I have a, I have a feeling Brighton will be looking at this and thinking, you know what, we can have nine points after four games. It, it's not a bad start for a team like that. Yeah, they definitely take that. They take on Brentford at Brentford Community Stadium, 3 o'clock Saturday. And with that, that is our nine Premier League games across Saturday and Sunday. There is a game, of course, on Monday involving Everton. We'll talk about that next week. And don't forget, tomorrow, Fergal Brennan will be back looking back at all of the weekend's Premier League action. But that's it for the dugout today. Thank you very much, Stephen Elliott. Thank you, Matt Jarvis. I'll be expecting you next time we do the podcast, Matt, to bring that cardboard cutout with you. <laughs> I, I, I want to be seeing it. I I want to be seeing <laughs> I'll be disappointed if it's not there. Uh, my name's Niall. Thanks for listening in. Don't forget to hit subscribe. That way you won't miss another episode of the show again. We are the only Premier League podcast with a new episode every single day of the top flight season. So as I say, hit subscribe and that way you won't miss one. But that's it for today's show. And we'll catch you again next time on Football Social Daily. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.